You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Uh, so great to have you guys with us, those joining in person online. Uh, what an honor it is uh, to get to worship together. Uh, as we kind of kick off, I have a question for you guys. How many of you are fans of The Office? Do we have any Office fans? And I'm not talking about like the Office where you work. I'm talking about the TV show. Um, if you're a fan of the Office where you work, awesome. I'm so excited for that. Uh, I'm talking about the TV show. Uh, if you're watching online, why don't you post in the comments your favorite character from the Office? Oh, my favorite interaction in the Office was Dwight and Jim. I love to watch the pranks that Jim would pull. Uh, a, f- a couple friends of mine uh, a few years ago, we actually played those pranks on other people. We took their um, uh, some of their stuff and put it in Jello, and it was awesome. And uh, if you guys remember the one prank where you get the Bluetooth headset, we don't really use those so much as much anymore. But they were a big thing back then. And you connect your Bluetooth headset to their phone when they're out looking, and then when someone calls, you answer it. Uh, it was like. These were some of the funnest pranks, but I loved watching that play out on television. And uh, I watched The Office consistently from the moment it came on the air till its last episode. And I still remember the very last episode of The Office when it aired. Um, I was married at that point, so when it first started, I was single in my early 20s. And uh, at this point, I'm in my late 20s, I'm married, and I remember sitting there in a living room here in Irwin with Heidi, and she didn't necessarily, she like indulged The Office, she put up with it, she wasn't like, this is the best thing ever, like I was. And I remember sitting there in that last episode, and I'm watching it, and like tears are streaming down my face. And she looked at me like, what is wrong with you? And then, then when when Jim, and sorry if you haven't seen the, ep- the show, uh, just, you know, bear with me for a minute. It'll make sense in a second. But uh, the last episode where Jim is talking uh, to Dwight, and uh, Jim is like, I'm not the best man. There's one that's better. And then Michael walks in. I lost it. I was like a little baby crying on the couch, uh, bawling my eyes out. Well, the real, real reason was because, like, it was my whole 20s. Like, I grew up my, my adult years watching The Office, and now it was coming to an end, and it felt like, like a chapter of my life was coming to an end. Uh, and, and one year, one year, I had the chance to go to Scranton. Now, if you don't know, The Office was based in Scranton, and I was so excited to go to Scranton because I wanted to see all the sights and sounds of The Office in Scranton. I wanted to see the building. I wanted to see all the spots they talk about, and I get there, and I'm looking forward to it, and there was nothing There wasn't even a sign that said the office is based in Scranton, like nothing. The only thing I could find was the Steamtown Mall actually does exist. That was it. So disappointing. It was like tragic. Um, Now, I know it's not a real show. I know it's fictional. But I was hoping to find something there when I visited that just gave me a glimpse that maybe it's half real. Uh, And and this leads me to what we're going to tackle as we continue this series we're in called The Problem of Jesus. Uh, One of the greatest tragedies that happens in our world is when people show up in the lives of a Christian only to discover that it was all a show. That that what appeared to be real turns out to be nothing more than a front. And, And what I mean is when a person who is far from God takes a step toward Jesus. And what I mean by taking a step toward Jesus, they, they step into the life of someone who's claiming to follow Jesus only to discover that what they saw from a distance, once they're up close, actually has no substance. 
or very little substance. It, it, can be, uh, it can feel almost like my pilgrimage to Scranton. What a person is hoping, hoping is at least somewhat real turns out to be fake. And this is what I believe has contributed to the downfall of Christianity, especially here in America in recent years. So many people carrying the title of a Christian, even of playing the part when others are watching, but so few so often actually back up uh, that claim with actions that have real substance. Uh, Let me explain what I'm talking about maybe in a different way. You know, throughout our church facility, we have a number of measures we've taken to ensure uh, your safety, ensure everyone's safety. Uh, Some of those are required by law, some we go above and beyond with, but all these steps are aimed at keeping people safe when they're in our buildings, but also helping people feel safe. Not just keeping them safe, but also helping them feel safe. It's not just the measures themselves, but their visibility brings a sense of safety to people as they walk throughout our facilities. Now, have, we, have, we have things like fire extinguishers and AEDs. Uh, these are things that we put in place because it's, it's important. It keeps us safe. Now, imagine if those things weren't actually real. Like, like imagine if... Uh, the fire extinguishers we had throughout our buildings uh, or the AEDs we had throughout our buildings were just really, really good props. Like they weren't actually able to put out fires or, or help someone if they're having a heart attack, but, but they were just really good props. Do you know what that would mean? First of all, the, to be honest with you, what that would mean is we would save a lot of money. It would cost a lot less. Those things are expensive to maintain and keep up with. It would save us a lot of money. So uh, being honest, it would save us money. The second thing that it would mean is if there was an actual emergency, if something actually was going wrong, people would be really shocked and, and probably horrified when they went to grab a fire extinguisher and there was nothing there. Or they went to use an AED and it didn't actually work. It was fake. Uh, and, and as we continue this journey today through uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew's Gospel, five, chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus addresses this idea of living a fake Christian life, where, where when people go to, to use that thing like a fire extinguisher, they discover there's nothing actually there. It's just a prop. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, uh, look at Christians and they have a lot of different ideas. And, and what I want to talk about today isn't, you know, what, what does it mean to be a Christian or follow Jesus? Well, I'm, what I want to talk about is this idea of prayer. What does it mean to have something of substance? Because this is what Jesus talks about, uh, that we're going to look at today. Uh, He talks about this idea of prayer. Now, I know prayer, for some of you, is like one of those words you put in the category of like a dentist appointment, a trip to the DMV, or sitting in rush hour traffic. You're like, I know it's something I have to do, but I'm not really excited about doing it. Uh, prayer is those words that in, in, in Christian circles sometimes we're like, I'm supposed to smile and say, yes, I love it. But deep down inside, I'm like, I dread it. Um, uh, if, if we were to have, you know, a potluck and bring wings and pizza and everything here, you know, we get a nice crowd. If we were to say we're going to have a prayer meeting, what kind of a crowd would we get? What does that mean? That doesn't mean that we're all bad people. It means that sometimes maybe we have a wrong perception of what prayer is really about, what it means to actually follow Jesus with substance. And, and, and what I want to share with you today uh, is, is this, that prayer really is something so much deeper and impacting than just an empty, hollow 
ritual. It's not just the, the measures themselves, but also uh, it, it's not just like going through the motions and, and, and checking off the box that, man, I did my prayers today. I read my prayers today. I recited my prayers today. But it's a relationship. And, and really the reason so many get close to people who are following Jesus only to discover that it's more of a front than something factual is because a lot of Christians don't pay the price for the real deal. Just like we would save a ton of money if we didn't have real fire extinguishers or real AEDs, uh, we would save a ton of money. It, we wouldn't pay the price. Well, so many who are followers of Jesus don't pay the price for the real deal. And what's the price? It's being in a relationship with a magnificent, remarkable creator of the universe, not simply just going through some religious ritual. And here's the deal I want to share with you today, this simple idea, that prayer isn't about a ritual, but a relationship. Prayer isn't so much about going through the motions. I know maybe you've heard before, like, I'm supposed to recite this prayer every morning, or I'm supposed to recite this prayer so many times each week, or once a year, or whatever it is. That's not prayer. That's reciting something. I don't know if you're married or if you have a close friend, how well your relationship goes if you just recite the same things over and over again to them. Like if I, if I walked, in, walked home at the end of the day and my wife is there with my kids and I just recited the same thing every day I walked home, welcome, thank you wife for all that you do. I am blessed to have you in my life. We are going to have a wonderful evening eating dinner and enjoying conversation. Thank you, goodbye. And then I walk away. If, if I did that, I promise you, I would be having a more heated conversation later that wouldn't go as well, you know? Not because my wife is angry, but because that's not a relationship. That's just going through motions and saying things. Prayer isn't just about communicating information to God. And it's not just going through some ritual. It's about a relationship. That's what it's ultimately about. Do you, do you have one of those friends in your life where you look forward to the conversations over coffee, or conversations while taking a walk together? You know, those friendships that are so deep, so meaningful, that just a conversation with them reshapes your outlook, reshapes your emotional state, even when you're going through difficult times. I'm sure many of you have, have people that you know you reach out to. This is what prayer should be. Not some drab, dead, religious practice, but a life-giving, meaningful conversation that you have not just with anybody, not just with some random being out there, some figure, something that gives you good vibes and nice warm feelings and warm fuzzies on the inside. No, you get to have a conversation with the creator of the universe. How awesome is that? We get to have this relationship, not just talk to, but an ongoing two-way relationship with a God that so deeply loves you, loves you deeply. This God that has given everything for you. And Jesus unpacks this in his Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. He unpacks like what this conversation, this idea of prayer really should be and what it should not be. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So Jesus opens up here. He's like, guys, don't be a hypocrite. <laughs> don't. This is one of the things that, that, that I think irked Jesus and irks us so often is when people say one thing and do another. He's like, don't be a hypocrite. 
The, the hypocrites, they love to pray so everyone can see how incredible and religious and spiritual and righteous they are. He said, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. What's he saying? He's saying, don't just repeat, uh, recite things for the sake of saying them. It's not just about the words. Just like uh, when you're talking to a friend, your spouse, your kids, it's not just about the words. It's about the heart, right? The heart behind it. Uh, and he says, don't babble because they, they think they're going to be heard just because they're talking a lot, basically. Verse 8, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So, so what's Jesus really saying here? Is he saying we should never pray publicly, that that's wrong, that's evil? If it is, we've made some big mistakes today. I apologize. But that's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is that what is done in public ultimately should be an overflow of what is done in private. That, that we shouldn't just pray for others to see us just so that, you know, people have this perception of us that's probably not real. It's just nothing more than a front. It's just a show we're putting on. But our prayer publicly should really flow out of something that's happened privately. That it should just be an overflow. That, 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 that praying publicly, if given the opportunity should just flow out of this remarkable relationship that we are just nurturing and developing with Jesus. That, that it's not just like, oh, I have to do this. No, I get to talk to God today. How awesome is that? I get to have a conversation with a God that loves me and has given so much for me. You see, we have enough fake plastic Christians in our world today. We have enough that they can post all the right things. They can say all the right things. See, it's fairly easy to play the game of being a Christian. You, you, can, you can say the right things at the right moments. You can raise your hands at, at the right spot in the song. You, you, can, you can even give a little bit, at least until it hurts. But Jesus is getting at something that's been this reoccurring issue over the last 2,000 years for Christians. It's that our public persona needs to be backed up by our private life. Like what we do at work, uh, what we do at church, what we do uh, for others to see should ultimately flow out of what we're doing behind closed doors, who we are privately. That there shouldn't be like uh, a Nick at home and a Nick at work and a Nick at church. That they should be the same person. We live in a culture where we love to compartmentalize, right? You know, I can do this over here and this over here and the two don't mix. You see this in, you know, celebrities and politicians and all of that. Like, I can, I can dabble over here in things that probably morally aren't really right or, you know, maybe I wouldn't be really proud of others knowing. But then I can do over here something that really contradicts that. And that's okay because this is my public life and this is my private life and the two don't mix. No, no, they mix. We're, we're one person. You're not multiple people. Um, you know, we don't have multiple personalities. You know, that's not something that's uh, the right way to do it. You know, we, we are one person, right? God made you as one person. You need to be consistent. That's what God intends. That's being right with yourself and who God made you, not being a hypocrite. And we have gotten really good in our culture at having multiple fronts. We have who we are online. 
Maybe you've had those people that can blow you up online, but you see them in person. They are all smiles and they love you to death. We've got to be the same person, okay? This is what Jesus is getting at. This is what he's trying to talk about. Who we are and what we say, what we do, should all line up. And Jesus is saying here, don't be a hypocrite. Be consistent. Why does he say this? Because really, because when prayer is just something we do for others to see, in the end, it's hollow and empty. It's kind of pointless. It's like one of those things that really doesn't do anything. Could you imagine uh, pulling up to the gas station? Your car is on empty, like the, the gauge is working at you and it's flashing at you, like you need to fill up your tank. And you pull into a gas station and you stick the, the gas tank, uh, the, the pump right into your, your, your tank of your car and you take it out and you put it right back and drive off, never actually fill it up. Like you never actually put any gas, you just, you, you did the exercise, like you went through the motions you put the, the tank and the, the pump in, and you did it all, and you did it right, like you weren't doing anything wrong. You just didn't actually fill up your tank with anything. When we go through prayer, is nothing more than a ritual. When we are just reciting prayers or going through the motions just to check off a box, what are we doing? We're doing something that really is shallow, hollow, and kind of pointless. And it doesn't accomplish what Jesus intended to. Because Jesus intended prayer to not be a religious ritual but a means to a relationship with, with a Jesus that loves you so very deeply. Uh, and prayer here should be more than just some empty religious ritual that you take part in occasionally. Prayer is our means to engaging this relationship. And, and you know, we could stop there and talk about, man, prayer is really awesome and, and, and this is what it's supposed to be about. But, but then Jesus goes on. He continues the next verse, few verses. And he gives some explanation to what this conversation relationship with God should look like. And we refer to these verses oftentimes as the Lord's Prayer. In the end, it's actually not the Lord's Prayer. It's actually more, more or better described as the disciples' prayer. Because here's what Jesus said in verse 9. He said, this then is how you should pray. Can you say how? This then is how you should pray. Now, uh, get into a little, uh, you know, uh, grammatics here. Is there a difference between the word how and the word what? Are they interchangeable? They are, they're not interchangeable. Um, your kids might try to argue they're interchangeable. They are not interchangeable. How and what are two different ideas, right? What is, this is what you're supposed to do. How is, this is how, this is an example of what I'd like you to do. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray, not what you should pray. That's why we would call it the disciples' prayer, not the Lord's prayer more accurately because it wasn't meant to be something that Jesus just prayed, like, uh, this is how I pray. No, he's saying this is how you as disciples should pray. Here's an example, not the words, but an example. And here's what he says. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive, uh, have forgiven our debtors. Some of you are like saying this in your head, trespasses. This is a different version, okay? And verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, in, in church circles, um, this prayer is recited a lot. And you've probably maybe heard it at funerals. You've heard it in different places. Uh, as I share funerals, I always close uh, a funeral out or graveside service 
reciting this prayer. It's a, a powerful, meaningful prayer. But, but if you read the previous verses of what Jesus is saying, he's, he's actually cautioning against just babbling and just saying prayers for the sake of saying prayers. Because what he's saying here isn't that this is what you're supposed to pray. Like, if you just pray the Lord's Prayer, everything's good. Pray the Lord's Prayer five times a day, you'll be good, all right? That's, that's cool. That would be like saying, stare at your weights or your, your uh, treadmill five times a day, and you're good. Just stare at it for 30 seconds, five times a day. You're good. Um, that won't do anything. You just wasted 30 seconds, five times a day, every day. Uh, the same is true with prayer. Prayer isn't just about going through the motions. There's something deeper, and that's what Jesus is trying to get at. It's not meant to be what we pray, but rather how we pray. It's worth noting, and I love this, that, that, that uh, throughout this prayer that Jesus gives us, that he gives us an example of, there, uh, there are no singular pronouns. They're all plural. It starts off with our Father. And I love how Jesus does this. He's communicating this idea that we're part of something bigger. It's not just about me and God. It's about us and God. We're part of the family of God, the global family of God. What that means is we should never be asking God for something that harms another member of the family. Because it's our Father. It's not just my Father. It's our Father. Uh, and, And throughout the whole prayer, he uses plural pronouns over and over and over again. And if we are praying in the will of God, ultimately the answer will be a blessing to all of God's people in one way or another. Now, I love what the the biblical scholar Robert Law says about this prayer, uh, about prayer. He says, prayer is a mighty instrument, not forgetting man's will done in heaven. We like to think that prayer is just about, you know, getting God to answer our wishes, to meet our wishes. Like, if I pray hard enough, God will do what I ask of him. Like, he's a genie in a bottle, and if I, you know, rub the bottle just the right way, he'll pop out and do whatever I ask of him. Uh, Prayer is not about getting man's will done in heaven, but forgetting God's will done on earth. God transforms us and speaks to us through prayer because it's a two-way conversation. It's a relationship. Prayer isn't just something you offer up to God. It's something God downloads to you as well. You see, if we put God's concerns first, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. When we put God's needs and his will first, then we are at a place of that relationship to bring our needs as well. God is concerned about our needs and knows them before we even ask of them, these verses say. That, that, that even when, when we're saying, God, I, I need this, or God, would you help with this? God already knows before we even ask. So, so the question is, why even pray? Why even talk about it? One, because it's about the relationship, not about getting something from God. Don't you hate the people in your life that all they want is something from you? <laughs> they use relationship just as a means to an end. And once they get what they need, they're out. Isn't that frustrating that you feel like you've been used? You're just a tool in someone's big machine that all they want to do is they'll be really nice and warm and fuzzy to you and like be kind and everything. And, and then once they get what they need, they're out and never to interact with you again. Or maybe they're a jerk to you now, now that they got what they want. We hate those kind of people. We don't like being around those people. Sometimes we can do that to God though. Like we devalue the relationship with God. All we want is something from him. And God just wants us to know him. You look all the way back to the book of Genesis. First man and woman, Adam and Eve. What was so genuine and valuable and rich about the first man and woman? It was they walked in complete purity, integrity, consistency with God. Like 
the first thing you see that's remarkable about Adam and Eve isn't the, the plants and animals all around them. That's cool. But it says that they walked with God every day. Like there was relationship. There was a, a close connection. Like that's what God is working toward. From the moment of Genesis all the way to Revelation, what is God doing? If you can read all the Bible, all of the books of the Bible, every verse, what are you going to see? You're going to see this thread of redemption woven throughout all of Scripture. What is God redeeming? He's redeeming that relationship again. What's he trying to do? Get us back to a place where we can have that kind of relationship that Adam and Eve had with him to bring it back. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross to help mend that broken relationship. God isn't so concerned about what. He's concerned about who, that you are the one in relationship with him. And, and, and when, when, when we see prayer as nothing more than a means to an end, we're missing the point. So, so Jesus says here, God knows what you're going to say even before you ask it. So why pray? One, because of relationship, but also because prayer is God's appointed way to see needs met. Like prayer is how God does that. Why? Because prayer prepares us for the proper answer and use of the answer. God, like prayer gets us in a place, in a posture where we can actually use the answer God's going to give us. That might not always be the answer that you want but prayer puts our heart and our lives in the right place where we can be used by God to fulfill that answer, to, to answer what we're asking of him. You can see this throughout history, throughout scripture, when men and women have cried out to God for impossible things. And there are times where God in that moment, in that prayer, has equipped them with remarkable supernatural power through the Holy Spirit to do things they couldn't have done on their own. You think of the, the disciples in the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus went to, uh, to died on the cross and, and shortly after he ascended to heaven. And these disciples are scared, they're frightened, they're worried. And what are they doing? They're praying, they're seeking God. And, and the Holy Spirit empowers them, fills them, baptizes them. And, and they now are empowered to go. And they go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth, fulfilling what God uh, asked of them and challenged them to do. And, and, and did they have that in and of themselves? Not necessarily, but, but in that moment in prayer, God equipped them to use the answer he had for them. And, and whether that's sometimes where God just says, wait, and you're like, I don't know if I can wait, and God begins to download the patience and the grace to make it through a season of waiting that maybe by yourself, without his help, you might not make it. Maybe it's empowering you with supernatural power to, to overcome obstacles. Maybe it's revealing a, 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 an avenue that you weren't even thinking about that's a solution. Maybe it's connecting you with someone that, that can help you with that solution. That God uses prayer to prepare us to properly use the answer he gives us. And if we know our need, and if we voice, voice it to God, trusting him for his provision, then we will make better use of the answer than if God just forced us without our asking. Like if God just you know, dropped a note in your mailbox every day or your email and said, this is just what you're supposed to do. You know, um, that's what you get with horoscopes, right? Horoscopes are just tell you like what, what's supposed to happen in your life without relationship. Like just because of the stars and where everything, are, everything is and, and all of that, like you're just, this is just what's gonna happen. No relationship, this is just what's gonna happen. God, God isn't just a horoscope. He, he's not just telling you what you're supposed to do because this is what you're you know, destined to do in your life. 
No, he's, he's, he's coming to you as a friend that, that's saying, ah, I see so much for you, so much better for you, or I see this way for you. And, and that's that conversation. You know, there have been a number of times uh, over the years where life has gotten really difficult and I've questioned things and questioned maybe I shouldn't have done this or done that. And, and times at different points and, and different roles and responsibilities and different stages and chapters of life where I've questioned maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this or maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Whether it was being in college, a pastor, you know, uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not cut out to be a good parent. This is really hard. All these different things. And we, we question these things. You know the, the two things oftentimes that have got me back on track. One was friends who really loved me and cared for me that could, could talk me off that ledge and say, Nick, man, here, here's some things I see in your life. Here's some things, and they, they call things out in my life that, that are there, or, or even things that they see that, that will be there. Like they've spoken life into my my. My, my desperation. They've spoken life into my difficult moments. But the other one is God's presence. That, that, that in God's presence, God reminds me of who I am and whose I am. And, and for, for some of you, you know, this last season of life, whatever that might be, maybe it's the last year, maybe it's the last five years, maybe it's the last 10 years, maybe it's just this last month or last week, like you've walked through a season where you've really, really questioned a lot. There's nothing wrong with questioning. Questioning is so healthy and good. Jesus always affirms and encourages people to question. Go past Jesus to his disciples and the apostles. They affirmed and encouraged people to question. There's nothing wrong with questioning. Questioning is so healthy. But what do you do with those questions? When we can bring those questions to Jesus. I know that sounds like such a trite answer, like such a religious thing to say. Just bring it to Jesus and everything will be okay. I'm not talking about some religious thing. I'm talking about a relationship. Like when you can get on your knees and get down before Jesus and just be real and raw and honest and transparent and authentic, that's the Jesus I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about some churchy thing. Because we don't need more churchy stuff. We don't need more institutional stuff. We don't need more fake stuff. We have enough fake stuff in our world. For crying out loud, the office isn't even shot in screen. How horrible is that? <laughs> we have enough fake stuff, right? We need the real deal. If we're going to make it through this life, if we're going to make it through this world and all that we're facing, we don't need more fake stuff. We need the real thing. And I'm telling you, the real thing is there. If you're willing to step out and say, God, I just want that relationship, that encounter, that conversation. I just want to talk to you. That's the real thing. And, and what we need isn't five steps to a better life. We don't need, you know, 10 ways to, to make your life better than it was last year. We don't need, I know some of those steps can be really healthy and good and all of that in, in practical sense. But at the core we need Jesus in our lives. We need his presence. We need that conversation. You know, over the last two years, one of the things that I uh, so miss in my life is getting to have conversations with my dad. You know, um, I remember uh, a couple of days after he passed away, 
Um, I was sitting in Taco Bell, of course. Um, you know, they have Wi-Fi there, if you don't know that. It's better than Starbucks. You get unlimited free refills. Starbucks doesn't give you that. They also have tacos, so there's that. I'm sitting at Taco Bell and, uh, on my laptop, and I was actually putting together the, 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 the funeral service for my dad. And I was putting it all together. And I remember closing my laptop, getting in my car, and as I get in my car, I was, this sounds weird, I'm a pastor, so just bear with me. I was kind of excited about the service that I put together. I was like, this is going to be so special. Like, it's different, and it's, it's not normal, and I love that. And I'm like, this is so cool. And I, I literally get in my car and I reach for my phone to call my dad because he's the one I would tell that to. And I miss those conversations. But do you, can I tell you something? There are conversations in your life with people that mean so very much to you. And, and when they're gone, it hurts so deeply. There's a conversation you can have with a God that loves you that will never, ever be gone. Like, there's not gonna be a moment where you can't talk to him. There's not gonna be a moment where you can't go to him. There's not gonna be a moment where he pushes you away and says, I don't wanna talk to you right now. I I don't want anything to do with you. That moment won't exist. And, And the thing that you need most isn't a good buddy or a good friend or someone that can just be there to pull your uh, bootstraps up and say, keep on going. The thing that we all need, that society needs, isn't better friends. We need a better relationship with our Savior. And I'm not saying that in a religious, like, just recite some prayers. I'm saying we need to be willing to have some real conversations with God and get real with him. And, and, and like Jesus said, get in our room, close the door, and just talk. Not, not some public, you know, well-versed uh, prayer with big words that no one understands but make us sound really smart. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just talking to God. And, and the question I have for you as the worship team comes today, when was the last time you had that kind of conversation with God? When was the last time you, you didn't just go through some ritual or, or maybe just, you know, bow your head and close your eyes at church while the pastor's praying or, or, you know, you just agreed with what someone else is praying? When was the last time you actually talked to God? Like a real conversation with him. Like, God, life sucks right now and I'm not happy. That kind of conversation. Or, God, man, I'm so excited about what my kids are doing right now. I can't believe this is happening. Like, real conversations with God. When was the last time you actually shared your heart, not just your words? That's what God wants. Because prayer, prayer isn't some ritual. It's a relationship. And, and, and for it to be about a relationship, it takes time. We have to invest the time. There is a cost involved. And if, if in those emergency moments, you don't want to pull out the, the, the fire extinguisher, the AED, only to find out it's fake, it's a prop, it's not real. In those times when life gets difficult, you want to go to that relationship with God, and you're like, I don't want it to be fake and real, I want it to be something that's genuine. If you want to be in that moment, you start now. Develop, foster that relationship. Because God can do far more through you when you're in relationship with him than him trying to tell you and guide you from a distance. He wants to be an intimate, close part of your life. What God is inviting you and I into through prayer is this life-changing, life-altering, power-packed journey 
that I promise will be the most meaningful, deep relationship that you will ever experience in your life. I don't say that because I'm a pastor. I say that because I've lived it. I've walked through it. I have watched God meet me in my pain, in my joy, in the everything in between. And, and, and I don't share with you some religious being, mystical figure that we just pray to. I'm sharing with you my friend. His name's Jesus. And Jesus isn't some spiritual religious thing. It's a God that shaped you, molded you, made you the way you are, and just wants to be in relationship and journey through life with you. And, and, and we don't need more rituals. We don't need more fake stuff. We don't need more shallow stuff. We don't need more, more uh, you know, uh, fronts of, of good Christianity. We need more real people who are following Jesus and in relationship with Jesus. That's what our world desperately needs. And today, I, w- I want to do something that, that maybe is a little different. I want to guide you to kind of a little exercise of prayer. Just talking to God. And at the beginning here, what I want to do is I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray with me, meaning I'm going to have you like just repeat what I'm saying. I know that might sound weird because when's the last time you had a conversation with someone where you just repeated things? I'll give you one example just to, so you don't get too weirded out. Weddings. I do a lot of weddings and, you know, somewhere in that ceremony, we say vows. And almost always the couple repeats the vows that I share. I'll share a vow and then they repeat it. My hope isn't that, you know, when they get married and go home and live their lives, that they record that, and every time they have to be reminded, they play the recording and repeat them after me again. Like 10 years later, wait a minute, I I want you to know I love you. Let me listen to these. Oh, okay, I'm going to repeat this after the pastor so that you know I love you. No, the, the hope is that that's the beginning, but that that leads to actual real interaction, Right? That, that, that should be the foundation maybe of commitment and then you move on. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer in the beginning here. I'm gonna ask you to repeat what I'm saying. And then there's gonna come a point where I'm gonna ask you just to talk to God on your own. Now you might be like, I'm sitting next to people. That sounds kind of weird and awkward and I don't want people to hear what I'm praying. Well, just talk quietly. I want you to talk to God. You might think, I don't know if I can do that. I've been told that God wouldn't accept me or love me or welcome me. He will. He will. God doesn't, isn't going to push you away. He wants to be in relationship with you more than even you want to be in relationship with you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die. The greatest thing he had to offer, he gave so that we, he could be in relationship with you because he loves you that much. So I'm going to lead you in prayer. We're going to kind of repeat after me at the beginning. And then I'm going to ask you to talk to God. What are you going to talk to God about? I don't know. What do you want to talk to him about? If you were standing before God right now, what would you want to talk to him about? That's what I want you to talk to him about. And then we're going to wrap up that time of prayer uh, with, a, with a song. So would you, would you bow your heads with me this morning? We're going to pray this prayer together. If you guys could all just repeat, repeat this after me for this, this portion. Dear God, Thank you for loving me just as I am. Thank you for reminding me today that you just want to be in relationship with me. Help me take the practical steps 
to talk to you, to include you in the good and the bad. Help me not just go through a ritual, but to actually engage you in a relationship. And I want you to take the next few moments. I just want you to talk to God. Whatever's on your heart, your mind, between you and him, the band is just going to play behind us. We're not doing a song right now or anything like that. Nothing happening up here. Just you and God, where you are. And my prayer is that you could encounter his rich presence in these few moments. Let's just talk to God. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 